Straight from WCHL Studio in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. It's a sibling rivalry sports show with Chris and C.O. Brown. Today's in-studio guest, Luke DeCock from the Raleigh News and Observer. Also, UNC's big win and Duke's big loss. I have a question for you, Daddy. Why would anyone root against Carolina? Oh, well... Maybe the answer's inside. And settling rivalry sports. A fanfic dramatization loosely based on a teleplay by James Ellie Hunt. Scene. Zion Williamson's car. Zion and stepfather riding home after the UNC-Duke game. The role of Zion's stepfather is being played from the point of view of James Ellie Hunt. Stepfather. What you think about the future? Zion. It's going to be fun finishing the season. What? Say what? Boy, boy, you're going to hang it up right now. You're going to get on that tweetstagram or face tweet or whatever that is and announce it tonight. But, but, Dad, I love Duke. I love my teammates. Boy, you you ain't hear me. The next dunk you're going to be making is on an NBA hoop in an NBA gym wearing NBA shoes that don't explode all over the place. But, come on now. Turn on that sports show. That sibling rival thing with C.L. Brown, boy. Now, that boy can dress shop. He's, he's a shop dresser. Hear what that boy had to say. I bet you his brother Chris will be on my side. Boy, boy, you ain't got a side other than the side of cash for signing that contract as a bonus. Now, to turn on that show and go practice your dunks for All-Star Weekend 2020. Come on now. Sibling rivalry sports. C.L. What's good? The sharp dresser. <laughs> This conversation was for entertainment purposes only. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. What's key is that in the in the in the actual screenplay that was based on, it was the perspective of James Hunt. That was what he would do if he were the stepfather. Not saying that that's what the stepfather's like. <laughs> would you do that, CL? Would you would you be like that? That's the million dollar question and yes. the question that we're going to address in the big playback. Let's get it. This is the big playback. So, I mean, this isn't this isn't kind of the first time we've we've uh broached this subject. At what point should elite players shut it down rather than risk injury? We kind of talked about it at the end of football season when when guys certain guys were deciding not to play in bowl games. Mm-hmm. Um this is of a similar nature. Uh we already had Scottie Pippen you know, this was, I don't know, a month ago or so when he was on the jump, uh, Rachel Nichols showing it, uh, ESPN, saying that he felt like Zion should shut it down and just start preparing for the NBA draft back wow. then. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. And what was so, his reasoning? Just because he could risk injury. Just, huh. you know, just huh. because he felt like there's no value in in essentially not playing for money in college and and doing what he's doing. Hmm. And Zion was asked after a game, after Pippen made that statement, mm-hmm. and uh, he, he shot it down. It, it, was, it was, like, absurd to him. Like, you know, he's, he's playing for his teammates. He's playing for his family, representing his family. He likes being at Duke. And uh, and and I mean I just agree I I thought the whole premise of Scottie Pippen was was weak to begin with so um, I don't see Zion specifically I don't think it'll be a case where he stops playing I could certainly be wrong but I I don't see it it's a mild knee sprain it's not like he busted his head open on the court and was bleeding out like 
he can come back from this. And it was such a freak injury to begin with. I thought he was going to come back. When I saw him go down, I just thought it was something, you know, he he tweaked (laughs) a muscle or or whatever. And obviously he had to get... uh, had to get new shoes, but other than that, I just thought he'd be bounced back. Hmm. It's a toughie. It's a toughie because, you know, I, I'm the loyalist in all CL, so I, I have a hard time uh, not being biased. I'm biased. I'm biased, okay? You know, when I, when I look at it, I think, hey, go ahead. Go ahead, buddy, and take care of yourself. We want you healthy. We want you to be the best you can be at that next level. So yeah, you're you're good to go. Hey, no no hard feelings at all. You're good to go. But I, I would also side with uh, Coach Fran Frasilla. I listened to him on on the uh, ESPN College Radio on CSXM this morning, and uh, and he said that he, he basically was saying that he's a fan of the game, and he would love to see as just as a fan of the game. For Zion to return and be able to finish, and the memories that he's making at at this level, he'll never be able to kind of duplicate. So go ahead and you know return, finish that, and and see what's what. And the thing I would say, CL, is I know that the theme when Carolina and Duke play again in here in Chapel Hill, the theme will be would be Zion's revenge or whatever, something like that. Yet I would say Zion has never played. In the Dean Dome, when it's packed out, when you know it's 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 prime time like that, so I don't think that would automatically be some kind of shoe in destruction. I think that would be a ball game, and yeah, I think I would like to see that. Well, let's let's take Zion out of the equation and just talk in general of, of elite players. I I think in general in basketball. This is this is like the exception. It's rare for something like this to happen. I I can think of only two times in the last in this century where it was really impactful. One was Kyrie Irving at Duke. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. But he got hurt early in the year mm-hmm. and then missed a lot of games and then came back mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the year. Uh, but he was still the number one overall pick in 2011 in the NBA draft. Mm-hmm. And the the bigger gut punch was when Kenyon Martin for Cincinnati went down in 2000. That was, if I'm not mistaken, that was their first game of their conference tournament. And mm-hmm. so, you know, they Cincinnati was the number one seed. They were looking like a potential title team mm-hmm. um, that year. And, you know, they, they bow out early in the NCAA tournament because of it. And it, it was a blow for all of college basketball because Kenyon Martin had a dominant type of year um, similar to, to – Similar, but not the same because Zion is so unique, but similar to what what Zion Williams is is doing now. So I just think um, basketball isn't football. Yes, there's there's a risk of injury when you step out on the court at any time. There's a risk of injury, though, when you're having your own workout, you know, in a gym by yourself. (laughs) And and if you're going through it rigorously. So, you know, I don't don't think you can be scared of, of injury. But, I mean, when you're working out by yourself, on the other half of that, 
isn't millions teeter tottering on that, and it's it just seems like it would be so the anxiety shoots why, through. Why the isn't there there millions teeter tottering on that? Because well, if you've already established yourself as an elite player, if if you're already oh, ranked you're talking in about the, players. Yes, I was talking about you working out, man. <laughs> I thought, that's what I thought you were saying. If anybody's working out, why? Okay, okay, I got you. I got you. So any player, I'm saying any elite player working sure. out on their own or whatever oh, okay. runs the risk of an entry. Anytime you are basketball. It's a violent sport on the joints, man. So yes. you know, like yes. if if you're doing it right, if you're practicing at full speed, going through the motions, yeah, you could you could get injured without it being a game. You could be injured in in any kind of situation like that. So CL, go ahead. No, this would be a good point to bring in. Uh, my guy who is a, a, a professional sports trainer, maybe one day in the future we can do that and, and have him comment on this because don't they have low impact, like in these trouble areas, low impact workouts that'll keep you attuned and in tune to what you need to be doing, you know, body wise, but not run that huge risk. Last night, the huge no, thing. No, I yeah. would say no. Yes, they do. A jump man. shot is a jump shot. Like you, oh, can't, yeah, you okay. can't halfway come off a pick like jogging half hard like if you're going full yes. game speed while you're working out to try and simulate a game okay. then you run the risk all right so you're when you say workout you mean practicing i mean yes you're dribbling you're shooting you're doing everything that you would do in a basketball game okay I don't know, see. Not, not no haphazard. I don't know what kind of workout you going through, man. <laughs> I'm talking about no, no, no. It, right? you're, but you're talking about practicing, see. Not uh, you're talking about workout. I'm thinking somebody, you know. I don't mean weights. conditioning. Like, I mean, mean a workout mean workout on the to court. Keep your skills. Yes. Yeah. When, when is the NBA draft? In June. Yes. I don't. I don't know the date this year, but yeah, typically it's it's late June. I don't know. So, so you think that that same really awkward spin that he does, that same thing that he does, you know, and put his knees at peril, per se. You think he does that in practice often? He would he be doing that same kind of thing? I'm sure. I'm sure he's practiced that move before. Like I don't, I don't think he just all of a sudden whipped it out in the game. Like I think he's practiced that. And so, all right, CL, would you agree with this though? You turn it up a notch in the game. I mean, I don't know. I've never seen him practice. So you do have players who are who are so-called, uh, you know, practice players and, and and players who are more game when the lights come on, they get bigger. But mm -hmm. that being said, no, because the physical act, you still, like, you're, you can't practice at 10%, especially not at Duke. You're not going to be going haphazard. Now, yes, is there a notch? Is there something else that you turn on mentally for a game? Mm -hmm. Yes. But physically, coming off a pick, rounding a pick hard, you're rounding a pick hard. Like, it, rising up for a jump shot, you're doing the same. It's the same motion. Like, I, I don't physically, you can't get around that. It's the same. If, if you're doing it right, it's the same. Whether it's practice or in a game, it's the same. So, in summary, you're saying because there's not that much of a difference in working out, practicing, and gameplay, they may as well play the game. So yes, that's, that's essentially what I'm saying. If you're scared about injury, I'm saying you can be scared in practice. Like, there's, there's no safe way to practice without putting yourself at risk. You're at risk when you step on a basketball court and you're playing hard. So That's is it. this exclusive to basketball, what you're talking about, your opinion right here? Is this exclusive to basketball? 
I think it's worse for football. Because football is just it's football is more violent. Period. <laughs> so uh, you're saying what that practice is not as as bad and fo- it's not as dangerous in football. No, it, it is as dangerous. I'm I'm saying um, my my basketball argument is a little different because I feel like uh, I, I don't feel like the injury the percentage of injury risk is as great in basketball as it is in football okay fair enough so i i think that's a little different but um strictly talking about basketball guys if you're scared of being injured then to me it's like you can't play at all like you can't even practice because right. you're scared of if you're scared of injury then you can get injured in practice True. too Okay. All right, I hear you. Well, we're not going to get any injuries, and we ain't practicing. This is the real deal, and that's why we're bringing on our real deal guest who is right here with us in the studio. It is Luke DeCock from the Raleigh and the Raleigh News and Observer. Luke DeCock, big-time sports reporter right here. Keep it locked. 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show on 97.9 The Hill. Coming up, we have Raleigh News and Observer columnist Luke DeCock, who is in studio, our Ooh. first in-studio yeah, guest. Man, I didn't Everything know that. has been all phone number all the one. time, man. Yeah, number one. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. It is even better to be here than I thought it was. <laughs> hey, Luke, how do you, what do you think of what we've done with the place? You, it's, you, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I the, the lighting, the carpeting, you guys are, are radio Hosts and interior decorators. <laughs> it is. It is so no good. It is so here. good. <laughs> What's that brother's show where they they do houses or whatever? What's that? Oh thing? yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. The That's twin guys. Yeah. This, yeah. Like this is like an episode of Fixer Uppers, right? Yeah. Fixer Upper. You're gonna have the, those people come in from Waco come in and put some rugs on the walls and chip lap and all that kind of stuff. Hey man, well, um, <laughs> let's jump into the real stuff. We were both out in Cameron Indoor Stadium to see North Carolina topple Duke 8872. Uh, everybody wants to start with Zion and the injury. I, I, where does Duke go from here with, with Zion, the whole Zion question? Should he play? Should he not play? Should he just shut it down and prepare for the draft? How, how do you kind of view that? Man, that's like, that's like four different angles. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I kind of I tried to get into that a little bit last night with, the, with my column um, because I think, let's see, the, the shut it down angle I think is the easiest to deal with because – he can shut it down, but this is a guy who actually wants to be there. And I think that's yeah. when you look at this team of Duke players, and one of the reasons it reminds me of 2015 in a lot of ways is they all they're not thinking about the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't get the sense that RJ Barrett's worried about his draft stock or that Zion went past him for the number one pick in about middle of November. Yeah. Like I get the sense that these guys came here together to Duke like that 2015 group. Um, because they wanted to win something together. If they were going to have to do yeah. this one-year unpaid internship in college, <laughs> exactly. you know, unlike some of these Duke players who have come and gone the last few years, and I'm not disparaging them, I'm just saying this group to me is different. Yeah, and that they like it was like Naz Little said. I think you might have been talking to him with me way back at the start of the year, first or second home game. That he came to Carolina because he wanted to win something. Yeah, and the, a lot of these, you know, a lot of the guys who go to Carolina for two or three years say that, and that's why they have those guys. 
Duke has gotten the guys. I came to Duke because I want to be the number one pick in the draft, and that, I, that's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But this group is different, and so I, I, you know, it's up to Zion. It's his choice. There's very little he controls right now because of the NBA and the union and the way things work out with this one and done stuff. But that is one thing he controls, mm-hmm. and so far it's been his choice to play, and so I think he'll continue to play. Um, as for Duke, you know, there's so much talent on that team still. Zion is so unique and so different and so phenomenal and, and just, you know, it's kind of almost like this generational thing going on. But if he hadn't gone to Duke, if he'd gone to Clemson, Duke still might be the number one team in the country mm-hmm. because they have R.J. Barrett. Reddish is great last night. Trey Jones was not great, but we've seen what he can do otherwise. Yeah. He was great defensively. He was great defensively. <laughs> he could not score. I mean, that layup that got blocked by Kobe White, it's just... That would have been on a Nike poster like back in 86. Um, so it's, you know, I think Duke's going to be okay. And I think you saw that in the second half. Like Carolina got up to, what, 22 or 25 there yeah. early. Mm-hmm. And then Duke kind of knocked it back down to 16. And it was even after that. Yeah. You know, it was pretty even the last 15 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. And I think Kay said it last night. Like when you lose Zion, especially 30 seconds into the game, it does knock you back. It was a gut punch. Yeah. Oh, man, it was a gut punch for the fans because you showed up in part to see how he would do against this veteran Carolina team that actually I thought matched up pretty well with Duke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then that happened. So I think they're going to be okay. It's just Zion was so different yeah. and so whatever that you you lose that. that you know hurts. what would have made a good story is finding somebody who actually paid three thousand or whatever for a ticket that they bought to come see the Zion Williamson show mm-hmm. and <laughs> <laughs> not sure thirty seconds worth what that translates to in in uh, price per minute. It's <laughs> a lot. <laughs> you know, that was the other thing that bugged me a little bit. Like, I get the idea of using ticket prices to argue that the players should get paid, and that, like, that's cool. Like, I'm with, I'm 100 percent on board of that. We don't need to get into that today. But I'm out there on the whatever wing it is that says, you know, this is a billion dollar industry, and players deserve a, some piece of it. How, how much and whatever we can negotiate. But I did think the idea that the secondary market prices being a representation of that was ridiculous. Because I asked, well, you know, I got a million emails about it from ticket broker PR guys. And mm-hmm. I emailed one back. I finally said, what was the price last year for this game? It was like $19 cheaper. <laughs> like, it's expensive to watch UNC and Cameron because Cameron seats 3,000 people and you have to give up a kidney to get season tickets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it doesn't matter whether it's Zion or Tyler Zeller or whoever. You can't get into that game for less than 2500 bucks in a, in a bad year. True, true. <laughs> um, now, that said, like, there's, as I, as I, I tweeted, there's better ways to get at Zion being a phenomenon. And we, you know, you know, you've written about it, I've written about it. You know, the fact that he can pick up a guy like Mike Buckmeyer and drag him into his orbit and make him, you <laughs> yeah. know, Mike's famous now. Yeah. It's like, hey, Buck, you're famous now. He's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I think that part of it is it gets a little lost. And, and people were trying to use Zion's injury as a, oh, this, you know, the, the college athletics inequity part of it. And, like, I agree. I just don't think that's the point we need to be making. Mm-hmm point we need to be making is this is a really special athlete we're all starting to enjoy watching him and it's a it's a freak thing uh, but you know now we have to consider the possibility he might be out i don't think he's going to be out for a long time based on everything i've seen and heard yeah. um, but you know that last night we didn't know that when yeah. you're watching that game wondering so i was expecting to come back when i first saw him yeah, go down absolutely be so like, you know. get a new pair of shoes and <laughs> yeah you know the funny thing is i, I rewatched some of the the ESPN broadcast, and I watch SportsCenter. I don't think the word Nike was mentioned until Nike put out a statement. 
Oh, really? On like the 2 a.m. Sports hmm. Center. And maybe it was really, obviously I was working and I wasn't watching the game on ESPN. But I do think it's interesting how all these sort of parts interlock. Everyone's scratching each other's back. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the money goes everywhere, but it doesn't yeah. go to the players. And you think, know, I think you're right because I was, you know, I wasn't like you guys. I wasn't there. I was watching at home. But uh, I, I, I didn't know what type of shoe it was. I was struggling to figure out, okay, what is that? What brand is that? And I was watching sports there, et cetera. So I think you're right. I think that was kind of absent for a while. It was there. weird. It was weird because I watched some of the game when I got home and and and, and the late sports center. Um, but you know, I, I'm not a shoe guy either. Like some people are shoe. I'm, I'm like, it's a like I can tell you it's a Nike, but uh-huh. I can't tell you if it's like a Jordan, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I Joe Gillio, my colleague who is a little bit of a shoe guy, says it's like I think it's a Paul George. It's Paul George, yeah. And he said it looks like the Steph Mall Walkers. I mean, he tweeted something before the game. <laughs> he did. N- Nike's got to get, like, Zion next year is going to get his own shoe. It better look better than this because he looks like, you know, he's on the Stairmaster right now. And, you know, I do think that what happened was a product of, like, shoes do sometimes blow out. It happened to yeah. me one time. Um, well, and we I'm know your an athletic ath- prowess. Yo, I'm an though, athlete. So, you know. I was playing tennis for the first time in 21 years. I made it through seven minutes before my shoe exploded. Oh, man. Uh, but Zion is, you know, he's... There's a lot of inertia there when he moves because there's True. force and mass yeah. and velocity and all that stuff. And you combine that with a shoe that maybe he's worn a bit or maybe it's new. Who knows? But is something's wrong with it. And bam, yeah. it blows out. And now all that force is torquing and twisting and sliding. Because yeah. Kay said it last night. He slips all the time. Yeah. You know, you see he did it twice keep his dribble. in the NC State game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He keeps his dribble or he passes from his butt. You know, he's got that part of it. He, he's got that figured out. So the weird part was he didn't get up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so... Mm. I thought it was interesting too, though, just kind of the 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 magnitude that that this injury had, and the fact that it was Zion was that the fact that Nike did put out a statement. Like yeah. to me, that's like rare. Like I mean, why Nike, Nike lost three billion of market cap in the morning? Yeah, yeah, How crazy is and, that? I mean, and and the shoe people, like experts, not like shoe collectors, but ex- business experts, say basketball shoes don't really move the market from a sales standpoint anymore. Uh, you know that that's more marketing thing and all that, but still we're talking about, you know, the impact that one college player, yeah. one one and done freshman, can have on an industry three Incredible. billion dollars. It's, hey, it, it's insane. What was the statement that Nike put out? What did they say? Uh, it wasn't much. It it was something about uh, you know we will all of our products are rigorously whatever, and we'll take a look at this process. And it's where um, it's unfortunate this happened and blah blah blah. I mean. Duke and Nike are so linked at the hip. It's not like they're going to go switch to Puma like Marvin Bagley, but... Speaking of Puma. Yes. Did you see what they said? Oh, man, and they deleted it. (laughs) Right. Why did they delete it? That's what I wanted to know. That's a good question. If you're going to go out there and get on that (laughs) limb and say this wouldn't happen in a Puma, you might as well stand by it. Yeah. I think it all goes back to Grant Hill and the Fila thing. What do you mean by that? Well, he signed that contract with Fila when he got out of Duke, and then he had leg injuries his whole career. And they always said it was those Fila didn't know what they were doing with the basketball shoes. Mm. And so he played his whole career and, you know, the first part of his career in bad shoes and never recovered. I don't know whether that's true or not. I had a pair of those first Grant Hills. They were dope. How were you (laughs) like? I remember those. I I never played in them. I never played in them. (laughs) Sounds like a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, switching gears to the winner (laughs) of the contest. What do you, what what can Carolina take out of that game? Because people are going to put an asterisk on it, like yeah, Zion wasn't there, blah blah blah. Luke May wouldn't have had thirty, that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't think Roy's going to put an asterisk by it. I think what Roy will say is we shot two for twenty from three and one, mm-hmm. which I don't, you know, 
Carolina is more dependent, I think, on three-point shooting this year just because they don't have that back-to-the-basket big yeah. postman. So if you can do that, even against Duke without Zion, I, mean, I think that's a really good sign for them. I thought their defense was unbelievable in the first half, and maybe that's something to do with Zion. Now, Duke missed shots, too. Um, but I thought, you know, I, I don't think Roy typically gets enough credit for some of his coaching stuff. Mm-hmm. I thought they did for a really sure. nice job getting good matchups for Garrison Brooks and Luke May in the first half. I, I thought Cam just was kind of Cam. He yeah. had some open shots, and he hit him, and he got to the lane, had some rebounds. But I thought they did a really nice job of just subtle things in the offense to try to get. And it was probably things they were planning to do to get guys away from Zion or whatever that happened to work mm-hmm. really well. Because, you know, Luke May does, has not had his best games against really athletic front courts. And that's still an athletic front court without Zion. Yeah. I mean, he was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, and they killed him on the boards, you know, mm-hmm. offensively, especially a lot of putbacks. And, I mean, so many missed layups. It was just a weird game. I think mm-hmm. UNC was thrown a little bit, too, yeah. by Zion not yeah. being there. Um, just kind of you build yourself up. Seventh set it after the games. We wish we would have played against him because we wanted to beat him. Mm-hmm. You know, I think everyone feels it's a little devalued. But I thought UNC's effort was great. I thought their game plan was really good. Um, you know, I thought Garrison Brooks, this is a guy who maybe wasn't like a five-star recruit, but we've all kind of wanted a little more from him. Yeah. And I thought he really stepped up last night. Mm. Seventh Woods, maybe the best Seventh game of his. Seventh was the calming presence. When is, what is going <laughs> on out there? You know, because Kobe was all over the place. And I'll pat myself on the back a little bit for writing about how as good as Kobe White and Trey Jones are. This rivalry is a really a crucible for crucible for freshmen, especially freshmen. Oh, yeah, and they both really struggled at times, not yeah. always, but they went. Mm-hmm. You know, Kobe went through stretches where he couldn't do anything, and Trey Jones obviously was really good defensively, but not offensively. And and uh, you know, I, and you know, I thought Carolina's veterans are really good. And I hope yeah. that for them, in in terms of they like Kenny Williams has obviously not had the greatest season what we would expect from him necessarily, but I also think he's been there long enough and played with enough of these guys that he's kind of like. Oh hey, it's fe- mid February. I could, you know, now is the time. Even subconsciously, yeah. now is the time to turn it on. Now is the time to show up. And I thought defensively, he did a really nice job that way last yeah. night. Yeah. Hey, what do you guys think? Um, you're talking. You just mentioned defensively. Do you think it was an intentional coaching point? I noticed two or three times when Duke uh, trapped and they got a steal that immediately somebody would swoop back from behind and get it back. That happened two or three times. Yeah. And I was wondering, is that, is that an intentional coaching point, or is that just reacting? I don't know. I, th- I thought both teams were, do- were, were kind of doing that. I think it was just a sense of how scrambly the game was at times. Mm-hmm. But it might have been. That's a little over my head on X's and O's. I've got a, a very rudimentary knowledge of some of that stuff. And, <laughs> and uh, um, But they, it was noticeable. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you know, Absolutely. that mm-hmm. There was a lot of sort of... One team would get a steal, and the other team would steal it back, and then the other team would go for a steal and foul. There's a lot of that sort of back. You know, it was a little like the media game that way. Yeah, like just got a little sloppy. Is yeah. what I thought. Mm. <laughs> well, you want to switch gears? I know yeah. you're itching One to get some football. One more question before we switch gears. I saw your tweet, Luke, about President Obama and you deciding to leave. You know, courtside at the same time. Did you guys <laughs> collaborate on that? Did you? Did you? Did, did, you get he, did he go to you? Secret Service. Did, come over to you. I mean, you know, you see them following you around sometimes. <laughs> I was wondering if that guy peeking in with shades. Who that is? He's Dave. He's good. Uh, no, I uh, I made a run for it at whatever the, the last uh, one of the teams called a full timeout somewhere in the last two minutes, and I was like, all right, now's a good time to to weasel out of here and make a run for it because the, the wireless was pretty bad on press row last night. But as I was getting up, I know there was this huge commotion in the building. Like as I was walking down the front of press row toward the across down the court 
toward the press room. So, so that's what so that's where you're going. So people will know you, you reporters covering the game. You guys have to leave a little early so you can get to the press. Yeah, room. sometimes. Yeah, and especially I knew it was going to be such a zoo in there after this game. I want I have a CL and I kind of sit in an area where we can sit in our like at our desks and turn around and ask questions during the press conference. Hmm. And sometimes on a big game like this, you'll get there and your kind of seat will be blocked by people who have set their stuff up. So I wanted to get back there a minute or two before everyone else, or at least before some people, just to kind of get to where I need to be, get my laptop plugged in, get my tape recorder out, and start writing a little bit. Um, when the game, you know, the game was not in doubt at that point, which is why it, um, Barack left as well. I mean, we were just, we are on the same wavelength. First name basis. <laughs> First name. Hey, that's the second game I've covered. <laughs> second game I've covered with, with uh, one when he was president and uh, Michelle was there at the Carrier Classic. And then mm. So UNC is oh, actually two and zero with Obama in the building, and Duke is zero and two. Wow! <laughs> wow! Look so anyway, that. that's it. the funny thing is, I got back to the press room, and some TV guy had put his laptop in my spot, plugged it into my power cord, <laughs> and plugged his phone into his laptop with my iPhone cord. Wow! And was nowhere to be seen. So I just took all his stuff and put it on a table, and the guy came in. He's like, uh, "What happened to my laptop?" I was like, "I don't know." <laughs> So now, folks, you know, for the first time, it's been revealed what happened to that guy's laptop. It's not like we don't have name cards there. Like It's literally marked off in our spots. <laughs> and I come early for the games to make sure you and well, me and Mark are all in the right spots because we got to have our... We got to, we're creatures of routine. No we, doubt. Yes. No doubt. Well, yeah, shifting gears because, you know, you cover the Raleigh-Durham area um, and you are knowledgeable about all things sports in this area the Alliance of American Football, a big, a big little wrinkle that happened there, and it was surprising to a lot, was the, the uh, they, they had a couple players to tweet out. I don't know if you saw it, some tweets that were questioning where their paycheck was. Right. There were a couple of players that did that, and then it came out that uh, – Mr. Condon, uh, I'm sorry, is that how you pronounce his name? Dundon. Dundon. Yeah. Dundon, Dundon, sorry, Dundon. Tom Dundon. Tom yeah. Dundon, the uh, majority owner for the Carolina Hurricanes, had stepped up with a quarter, uh, $250 million uh, to go to the league, and he would become the chairman of the board, and he supposedly, maybe, has majority ownership or whatever, basically saving the league. Basically, okay, now we are set financially for the time being. What I want to ask you first is, what do you think, Luke, about the AAF? Have you had a chance to check it out a little bit? I watched a little bit. I want to see how John Wolford did, um, the former Wake Forest quarterback. So I, I kind of flashed through. I wouldn't say I watched a whole game. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Dundon investment is interesting for a couple of reasons. So the way it was presented to me is that the payroll thing with the players was just sort of like a glitch. So take that for what it's worth. But they had an investor dropout, a guy who committed money to the league and then never kind of showed up with it. So they, they had enough money, but they needed to replace it. And they approached Dundon, who had passed initially, but he saw the TV ratings from week one and said, okay, now I'm in, but if I give you this quarter of a billion dollars, I want to be chairman and I want control. So I don't know whether he's majority owner, but uh-huh. he's got the keys. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So he's he's driving the bus. Um, and, you know, the, the play for him is if they can build a relationship with the NFL, I think their long-term goal is to have the NFL assign practice squad players to them. Yeah. Hmm. And if that happens, then their player base gets big enough where they can have, like, a 16-team league. Each team is affiliated with two NFL teams. They have, you know, like, quarterbacks and offensive linemen getting experience. Um, I asked uh, Dundon at one point about Trevor Lawrence. Like, would you sign, like, a Trevor Lawrence, like, right now? 
and give him like, and he said, you know, we're not going to do that. Where we got seventy thousand dollars, whatever it is, seventy thousand dollars a player, and that's it. I mean, if he wants to come and play for seventy thousand dollars, <laughs> um, but it doesn't make much sense. I also think they're really at this point touchy about their relationship with the NFL, oh. so they want to be on good terms, especially with the XFL coming. Right, they want to be on the NFL's good side because yeah. the XFL is not going to be the, the XFL <laughs> is obviously the anti-NFL they'll go they'll go after Trevor Lawrence the XFL they, they, they will players like that they will and that's going to be fascinating to watch because mm-hmm. if I'm Trevor Lawrence and the XFL is willing to give me some real money mm-hmm. and I can play there for a couple years and then go to the NFL mm-hmm. I would I would I mean you got a ring maybe yeah. next year come back win the Heisman I don't know. That's 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 not the AAF's problem apparently. But so Dundon, I mean, this is a guy who's got. I mean, I think some, somewhere in excess of a billion dollars kind of lying around at one point. Puts a quarter billion into the Hurricanes, quarter billion into the AAF. Got a couple other investments. Even if all that stuff bottoms out and goes to zero, I think his kids are still going to go to college. <laughs> well, so. You know me. I'm I'm the I'm the uh, the biased guy here. What uh, and so I'm biased for this area. As soon as I saw that, I was thinking, oh sweet expansion. Skyhawks. <laughs> Sky <laughs> <laughs> well, Skyhawks. You know the okay. former Raleigh Durham Skyhawks. They'll get that the, first uh, win someday. <laughs> <laughs> it might be 30 years later, but the Skyhawks can come back. Clarkson now, Hines will get back in uniform for the last play. <laughs> Well, what do you think, though, Luke? I mean, is it possible that – I mean, come on now. When I saw him, he, he's majority owner of the Hurricanes. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, he's going to bring a team not only to the Carolinas but to the Triangle. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. You know, the, the other part of it is he's a Dallas guy, even though he owns the Hurricanes. His True. family's in Dallas. He went to SMU. His business is in Dallas. He owns a building in Dallas. His friends are in Dallas. He's friends with Romo. He's friends with Aikman. He's friends with the CEO of AT&T. They're all in Dallas. His go- he owns a golf club in Dallas. So his roots are really more Texas than they are here. Um, the big issue, I think, for bringing an AAF team here is the same issue as the outdoor game at Carter-Finley for the Hurricanes. They had to get the legislature to give them a one-day waiver on the alcohol sales thing. So if you're going to bring a team here, the logical thing is they would play at one of the three college stadiums. Yeah. And then you're going to have to get around that alcohol law somehow, which the state, I mean, it was like pulling teeth to get a change for one day. Um, but, I, you know, could it work here? I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe not. I mean, is it is it any different a market than San Antonio or, or Orlando or some of these other AAF markets? Right. Um, I think the one concern that I would have about an AAF team here is the sense of the scheduling where they're going to be launching in the heart of college basketball season. And if you look at the Hurricanes' ticket sales over the year, years, the years that they're competitive late, when you get to kind of the, the second weekend of the NCAA tournament and teams start to get eliminated and basketball thins out a little bit, you start to see their ticket sales pick mm-hmm. up if they're any good. Um, so traditionally, the basketball has put a damper on whatever else is going on around here. Yeah. I think eventually this market gets another pro team, whether that's MLS or AAF or whatever that might be. I think we get to a point where this market supports another major league team. Because the Bulls, that's a, a, as much a kind of a fun experience mm-hmm. as much as anything. You know, like like it's it's real baseball and all that, but... It's and it, minor league baseball has an entertainment aspect to it. Yeah, kids sure. racing on bases, things yeah. like that. Uh, I think there's probably room for another pro sport. I think a summer one works better. Like I think the Hurricanes in the winter, MLS in the summer, a little bit of overlap. The two potential ownership groups. Uh, I mean, Dundon is close with Steve Malik and that potential ownership group. The NCFC people. Those two guys get along really well. Wouldn't be surprised if they get an MLS bait if Dundon's 
a big part of the financial mm-hmm. backing. Uh, but I, you know, uh, the AAF, if it works in some of those places, then maybe it would work here. You know, I mean, Orlando has the magic. I mean, that's a that's an overlap type of deal. Yeah, San Antonio has the Spurs. Maybe it would work. But I would tell you that Orlando's a, that's a football tie. It is. It is. It's, it's yeah. a Florida and all that. Yeah. And San Antonio's Texas. Yeah. You know, that's true. I mean, and this is a basketball market more than it is a football market. But mm-hmm. I'm fascinated as I think, I think you know, both of you guys are, just to kind of see where this goes. I mean, can the country support a second football league, whether that's the AAF or the XFL, and is there room for minor league football? in this sort of spectrum. It seems like there would be for players. I just don't know if there's for fans. Yeah, I think it's oversaturated. With with AAF, XFL, there was that other league you were talking about. Um, um, the World League or what? It, which the one before? The, the one with Ricky Williams kind of being Oh, yeah, the, the Freedom man. Football League. Have you I don't even that? remember yeah. that one. No, no, listen. They haven't started. <laughs> they haven't started <laughs> oh, yet. No. Listen, every there's like a every every team there is a um, freedom like civil rights type of a freedom theme going through every team. Like every team has that name. I think one of the teams' name is the uh, like the Connecticut Underground or something like that. Like every team is like that, and and they also want to invest in the lives of players. That's a big thing with that league. They really, but they've pushed back their start date to 2020. So I had not heard about that, but that concept is fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, like a league that, especially with football, that has like a a, 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 a higher goal, mm-hmm. like that. Maybe that's maybe that's what football needs right now. We'll see. They need something. Oh, well, uh, we are gonna have to wrap it up, man. This has been great, Luke. Yeah. We appreciate awesome. you coming on with us, Raleigh News and Observer mm-hmm. columnist Luke DeCock. Also, you can catch him on Twitter at mm-hmm. Luke DeCock, mm-hmm. and you can catch him on the Whistleblowers Podcast. Which, which always, if you've ever been uh, wondering what goes into officiating, they drop knowledge on that. Nice. So, we appreciate you coming on Thank with you. us, Luke, man, especially in person. Pleasure is all mine. The honor is all mine. <laughs> Come on back whenever you whenever you give a compliment to you know the way we've made this place up. Yeah, you're you're welcome back. Anyway. Oh man, I just want to come in and hang out, even if you guys aren't recording, because <laughs> it's just the atmosphere is just it's, it's it's just a great vibe. We'll go to break and we will catch you on the flip side here on 97.9 The Hill Sibling Rivalry Sports Show. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports Show on 97.9 The Hill. I just wanted to make one clarification from uh, bringing on Luke DeCock with the Raleigh News and Observer. His podcast is called The Whistleblowers, and he does it with John Clockerty, uh, who had who had an infamous or famous Final Four call <laughs> that, that you may remember when uh, Seton Hall played Michigan in the 1989 title game. Clockerty was the one who sent Ramil uh, Robinson to the free throw line that ended up winning that game. But... That's neither here nor there. Just check out the podcast. Wanted to get that plug in before we jump into football. Got a lot of stuff going on for the NFL to uh, have had its season concluded three weeks ago. <laughs> and the big news, Colin Kaepernick with mm-hmm. his with his receiving a settlement. Terms are non-disclosed, but I think we all know who won in that deal. 
CL, okay, I just want what what was your reaction when you first heard that? I mean, I hate to say it like this, but I, I knew it was going to happen. Like I knew it was going to happen. I knew the NFL was going to take an L. So, but you knew they were because collusion was so. Well, they didn't want they didn't want to have to go public. They didn't want to have have discovery and and their dirty laundry be aired. You know, so th- this was the logical step. I mean, to me, the only other thing I thought that maybe would happen is they would just throw the lawyers at it for so long to try and wear him down or something like that. And, you know, and this settlement not take place until years down the line. But I knew it was going to happen. They fought Brady and the boys. And they that's settled. the thing. That's that's the underlying thing. They fought Tom Brady. And then they're gonna cower up and be like, "Oh, you know what, man? We gotta. We don't. We don't want this in court. We so don't want this open air. Okay. You're saying Let's go ahead. Go ahead and pay the man. <laughs> go ahead and pay the man. Do you think that he will play again in the league, CL? I, for one, still don't think so. I saw a, a column by uh, Mike Freeman of Bleacher Report who who suggested he's not saying that he's gonna get signed now either, but he's saying that. Now that the case is settled, now that the NFL knows that the activism that started from Kaepernick didn't cause some kind of big backlash, they didn't have these mass, you know, viewing defections and ratings were still high and everything like that. So uh, now Mike Freeman believes that the time, the the, the chance is much, much better of Colin Kaepernick getting back in the league. I happen to feel like these owners are pretty vindictive um, and that now that they've actually had to pay the money out, that they're just going to harden in their stance. And they're going to no collude way. some more. There's <laughs> no way. Saying. No, it, well, at this point, it's not because he's he's out of the league. So and, and he's been paid off so they could look at it as this is settled. Let's let's keep moving on. Like, mm. you know, there, there's like it's done. He hasn't taken a snap since, what, 16? Yep. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. And, and unlike you, I differ. I differ on what he means to a team. I differ on what he means to a team. I, I'm not certain that if he steps in there, golden things are going to happen on the field. When, when he was in his heyday of playing, CL, I just I, – I never thought, oh, yeah, there's a guy I want quarterback in my team. R- regardless of all the other stuff, I'm just talking about pure play and my pure – what I look at from the quarterback position. I always felt like Cap was a little too quirky for what, what, what I look for from a – That's p- interesting you say that, and Lamar Jackson is the quarterback Lamar Jackson now. is light years he's not, faster. He's not – Corky? Faster. He's not a his traditional. He's a not a traditional. I'm not talking about his speed. I'm talking about he's not a traditional pocket passer. Kaepernick is not either. Kaepernick right. is more. They're closer together. Lamar Jackson. What Lamar Jackson does and what Kaepernick does are closer together than than separate. Sure. Yeah. You're right. Except if speed Le- is Lamar, the only thing. Yeah, that that's a that's a lethal weapon. L- Lamar Jackson but that has is so to do fast. With being quirky. That's just being faster than he is. Yeah, but you can design an offense around that that threat of the run, which the Ravens successfully did. Didn't Kaepernick rush for a thousand yards? I don't know. We'd have to look it up. I doubt it. But he he could run. But when I saw him running, I wasn't thinking. Oh yeah, he's like he got everybody. a team to the Super Bowl. That's what I know. Not by himself. That's what CL. I know. That's what I know. <laughs> Not by himself. I didn't say he. Can't Carried a team. He got a team. There are plenty of good quarterbacks who haven't gotten to the Super Bowl. True. So he got a team to the Super Bowl, and they were close to winning that game. 
So, you know, I that mean. That was before they turned the lights out, CL. We, we can, we can, <laughs> we can go on the merits of that all day long. But, right. you know, him being settled, though, I know you're going to ask me. It's not going to make me watch the NFL, this, this case being settled. You're not going to watch the NFL? No, I'm still not watching the NFL. Well, just real quick, i got to shift to A.B., C.L. What do you think about Antonio Brown? He, he's met. He's out of, out, of the, out of pocket now with the Steelers officially. What do you think? Well, I mean, it's, it's, I'm glad it got all wrapped up. Like, it just didn't need to continue to drag out. But it's, it's unfortunate it got to this point. Like, you would think that somewhere along the line he would have voiced his displeasure and it would have been addressed and all the people involved could sit down and hash this out because you never like seeing a talent like that leave your team, you know, mm-hmm. uh, especially not in this manner. But, I mean, Antonio Brown was culpable in this Ben Roethlisberger I feel like was culpable in this Mike Tomlin I feel like was culpable in this so you know but life goes on what are you gonna do with your he'll he'll be replaced your AB jersey what you gonna do my last name ain't changing so (laughs) I'm good with it you're good all right CL is good, and folks, you're good to join us and, and come on back because we have the brown out, a bunch of hot topics. This is not a bad offseason for football fans and not a bad pre-tournament time for basketball fans. Come on back. we got lots going on here on Sibling Rivalry Sports 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill, where we always chill. And now it's time for the brownout. The brownout. Steelers general manager Kevin Colbert called quarterback Ben Roethlisberger the unquestioned leader of the team who is free to publicly criticize teammates. Is Colbert right? Big Ben. Big Ben big general manager of the Steelers and I say big mistake. You shouldn't be able to call out your players and criticize them. That should happen behind the closed doors of a locker room. Did you just give the guy free reign to do whatever he wants? Come on now. I mean, I I agree to an extent. You you are free to publicly criticize a teammate, but it should be done when you think about the repercussions of who you're talking about and what damage might be done. Some people can take that. Some people even need it to be called out publicly and held accountable. But I also think that Ben Roethlisberger, for the times he calls out people, he needs to hold himself more accountable than he has. He does a lot of finger pointing, and that, to me, is kind of what led to this whole Antonio Brown fiasco. All right. Next question. Georgia lost to Mississippi State 68 to 67 this week when someone in their crowd threw a stuffed animal on the court and UGA was assessed a technical foul. Did the officials call a technical too fast? Yes, they called a technical too fast. Who's to say that this wasn't some Mississippi State fan who's lurking as a Manchurian candidate in the crowd and just throws <laughs> a, a stuffed uh, bulldog on the floor to get the technical against Georgia? I, I think there should have been an announcement. There should have been a warning. And then if something else happens, you go from there. 
But CL, as you have astutely pointed out, they still could have lost the game without the tech. I, what I think it is is a precedent. It's a precedent. They'll kind of correct the way they do it going forward here. But unfortunately, those rowdy Georgia dogs, uh, they're going to be the scapegoat for this one. Should North Carolina's win over Duke be a serious notch on their confidence scale? So CL, going forward, that win over Duke, which was a great win, Either way you slice it, even though it was without Zion playing for Duke, going forward, do you think that this will be? What you, I think it will be. I think CL, this will be another thing that the Carolina team can add to their resume and say, we can win in any condition against anybody. I don't. <laughs> I think that it was a good win. It was another road win. They're undefeated on the road in the ACC so far this year. And to a degree, I feel like they showed a certain amount of toughness. Kobe White had a horrible game. They got past that. They had a horrible game shooting from three-point range, two for 20. They got past that. Mm -hmm. They got the points in the paint, 62, which was was, uh, their second highest production this season Mm -hmm. in terms of points in the paint. So a lot of good things they can look at, but I don't think... To me, it's just another win. Without without Zion Williamson, it's just another win. It's not even special right now. So, um, they certainly will get another chance to close it out at the at the end of the year in the finale, and go from there. It wasn't special. Wow! Even though it's a Duke, it's at camera. That that wasn't special. It was a win. <laughs> it's just it a win. Just a win. All right. Well, CL, it's always a win when you come back. Glad to see you back. On the block, working hard as you always do. And we will see everyone next week. Keep on tuning in. We appreciate you. We're going to keep bringing you great shows. Uh, I am Chris Brown. I'm CL Brown. And this is Sibling Sibling Rivalry Rivalry Sports Sports. on 97.9 The Hill.